Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Summer of Love. Yeah. Um, if you weren't here last week and you're wondering what's going on, here, here's what's going on. Um, last week, we kicked off our series in this uh, incredible chapter of the Bible known as 1 Corinthians uh, 13. And um, what we said last week is this chapter is really diagnosing um, a problem that uh, John Lennon and the Beatles and a bunch of hippies would later put their finger on, and that is uh, this, that life without love is nothing. Um, the way Paul said it in the opening verses is you could have all the gifts in the world, you could have all the success in the world, uh, you could uh, gain all the wealth in the world. Paul says you could even give all of your wealth away to the poor, you could join all of the right causes, you could do all of this great stuff, but if you do it apart from love, it will ultimately be thin and fleeting, and it won't prove to be the life that you're looking for. It will be meaningless. Um, and worse than meaningless, um, Paul actually uses this powerful imagery of a clanging symbol to say that, hey, great gifts and great success and great causes apart from love just end up tending to annoy all the people around us. Anybody think this might still be a problem in our day? <laughs> and if you can feel that in your bones, um, here's the good news. That's just the first three verses. What Paul does with the rest of the chapter is he invites us into this more excellent way of living called love. And at the center of this chapter, we get this um, radical, this powerful description of what love looks like in relationships. This is probably the part you've heard quoted before at weddings. And, and though it seems um, otherworldly, um, what Paul insists is that um, this kind of supernatural, otherworldly, radical, challenging kind of love has actually entered our world in the person of Jesus. And so through a relationship with Jesus, the God who is loved, you and I can begin to increasingly live into this more excellent way of living called love. And so what we're going to be doing this summer um, is we said we want to have our own summer of love. Uh, just like they did across the bay in 67, but hopefully deeper. We want to have our own summer of love where we're, we're going to slow down and uh, really just soak in this chapter all summer long. And what we're going to do is um, just take these descriptions of love one or two pieces at a time and really just ask the Holy Spirit each week, would you press this more into my life? So that we might increasingly experience um, this most excellent way of living called love. And so um, that's what we're going to be doing this summer. Um, what I want to do each week before we get into the piece or pieces that we're looking at is um, I want to read the whole description together because uh, this description of love, um, each piece really works together and depend on one another. And um, while I think it's going to be helpful for us to slow down and take one or two at a time to really dive deep on them, I always want to preach the parts in light of the whole. And so if you've got a Bible, um, 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to um, read this each week before we dive in, and then um, I'll pray for us, and then we'll go uh, and take a deep dive on whatever we're looking at that week. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, who knows, maybe by the end of the summer we'll have this memorized. We won't even need to turn there. Um, but for now, here's 1 Corinthians 4 to 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. 
It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Let me pray for us. Father, that is what we want. That is the life we want. That is the experience we want to have. But so often, um, our lives are less than this. And, and God, we know that um, you are love, that love comes from you. So what we're ultimately saying this morning, God, is that we want more of you. And so would you pour your love into our hearts through your Holy Spirit this morning? Um, would you help us to know more of the height and depth and breadth and width of your love for us? Would you help us to taste of divine heavenly things this morning? And in so doing, would you make us more like this? In the beautiful name of Jesus, I ask. Amen. All right, here we go, church. First thing up, Paul says love is patient. Um, now, I'll just be real with you. I hate that that one comes first because uh, I stink at this. Anyone with me? Like, oh man, I'm 0 for 1 already. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not alone here. Um, in fact, I'll tell you the truth. I actually tried really hard to get someone else to come preach this message because um, I wanted to sit under someone else's preaching on this. And I actually did get um, some really great preachers will be coming in for this series for us, but I, I couldn't get anyone here for this week. It, it's like God was saying, okay, Chad, you need to do a deep dive on this one. Um, and so that's been uh, quite a journey for me. Um, and so, so let's do the deep dive. Let's see if God can speak through a broken vessel like me about patience. This is how you know God's real. If you take anything away from the sermon this morning, you'll know God's alive and speaking to you. Uh, love is patient. What comes into your mind when I say that word? Um, maybe you think about a time when you're driving and you're stuck behind someone doing 10 under in the left lane. And so you're like, this is ridiculous. And so you're looking over your shoulder, you're trying to plot the route to get around them. Because clearly this is about safety. It's not safe to go 10 under in the left lane. And so you're thinking, how can I get around this person? Okay, you're, you're plotting all the right angles. And as you look over your shoulder, you catch the eye of someone so helpful sitting to your right there who offers this guidance that um, patience is a virtue. Anyone been there? No, no one's honest this morning. Okay, um, <laughs> some of you are the person saying that, and you're like, what's wrong with you, man? Okay, so here, here's what I'll say. As hard as that moment is for me to hear that patience is a virtue, what Paul is talking about here when he talks about patience is about something far more difficult than that. Um, the word for patience in our text, um, it is a word that refers to patience with other people in our lives, not just circumstances. And so let me give you an example of how this word is used throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, we're told that God is patient with his people. Um, this is all over the Old Testament, but there's one story in particular that's just nuts. Uh, in the book of Exodus, second book of the Bible, God rescues the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt, and he brings them out of Egypt uh, to live a life of freedom and wholeness and flourishing. He says, hey, I, I brought you out of slavery not to... Um, go into slavery to somebody else, but I want to have a relationship with you through a relationship with your creator. You can enjoy life as it was made to be. And so the people of Israel, they hear this and they're like, we're in God. 
we are all in on this. This is going to be awesome. And so uh, God calls the leader of Israel named Moses up onto the mountain uh, to write down his law, um, which is designed to teach Israel how to walk into the fullness of life. How has God designed life to work? So, so it's kind of a long list. So he says, Moses, why don't you come up here? You're going to need a pen and paper. You're going to want to write this down. And Moses is gone for like two seconds to write this down. And uh, the people of Israel at the foot of the mountain, when Moses is gone, they go, oh my goodness, God has abandoned us? What are we going to do? And so they melt down their earrings and their necklaces, and they make a false god, and they bow down to that statue they made and said, thanks for delivering us from Egypt. So if you thought your last week was bad, I say this all the time, we got to read the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, because it's just so honest. Then I read that, and I'm like, man, that's really messed up. If there's hope for them, maybe there's hope for me. Because what you see in this story is Moses flips out when he learns about all of this. But what God says to Moses in Exodus 34, verse 6, is he says, Moses, I am patient. Uh, your translation might say long-suffering uh, or uh, slow to anger. It's, it's the same idea there. What he's saying to Moses in the midst of all of this foolishness is he says, Moses, I am a God who withholds freaking out for the sake of relationship. I'm a God who rather than giving those fools at the foot of the mountain what they deserve, I'm going to hold back for the sake of relationship to bless them, to make them a mighty nation from whom the Messiah might one day come to fix the world. I am a God who is patient. And if, if you really read that whole story in Exodus 34, what you see is God's patience is a key part of his glory. What makes God um, worthy of our worship and, and beautiful, God is patient, and his patience with his people is a key part of God's glory. Um, but it's not just God. Um, if you continue reading on in the story of the Bible, you'll meet a man named Solomon, uh, who is the wisest human to ever live. And Solomon writes a book of the Bible or collects a, a group of sayings called Proverbs. And what he does in Proverbs is he says to his son, um, patience is a major theme. He says to his son, um, hey, look, you will see the strength of a person's character in how they react when they're wronged by someone else. So he says some people when they're wrong, they just uh, blow a gasket right away. Very quickly they get frustrated. But he says you, son, will go farther in life if you can be patient, if you can be slow to anger. If rather than blasting people the second they fail you, if you're willing to withhold blasting them long enough, you might have the type of dynamic relationship from which life can truly flow. That's all over Proverbs. Proverbs 16.32 is a great place where he says, this is where you see the true strength of a person in their level of patience, which again was really convicting to read this week. And then the New Testament, it, it just echoes this. Um, as you go on, uh, patience shows up all over the New Testament. It's in the list in 1 Corinthians 13 here. It's in the fruit of the Spirit list. And what we see in the New Testament is that we as God's people are to image, to reflect, to mirror um, God-like patience to the world, um, particularly in our relationships with one another. What I hope you can see in all of this is this word patience in our text here. It's a lot stronger than I think we tend to use the word patience today. Um, it's about more than putting up with a mild irritation or a bad driver or an Amazon package taking longer than it should take to get to your house. Oh, okay, I just found the non-patient point there. Uh, 
It's about so much more than mild irritations. When the, the Bible's talking about patience here, um, it's talking about love's response to egregious difficulties, huge offenses, really the dark side of people in our lives. Um, the King James puts it so well. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 in the King James says, love suffereth long. Um, I think that's such a great way to understand what the Bible means by uh, patience. To slightly modernize it, you could say long, love is long-suffering, although I think love suffereth long was at least helpful for me this week. Um, because if you're the note-taking type, here, here's the definition of patience we can use as we think what the Bible means. Patience is the ability of love to suffer the offenses and foolishness of others for the sake of relationship. Um, and if you've ever tried to be patient, uh, you know there's suffering involved. That's why I love this translation. Uh, patience is the ability of love to, when sinned against, say, I'm going to overlook that wrong and not let that wrong get between us. Rather than blasting you, I'll suffer this one myself. And patience doesn't just do that once or twice, but it does that again and again and again and again. Patience suffereth long. No wonder it's so hard. I mean, I mean seriously, I was thinking about it this week. Um, I think the reason we tend to lack patience, or none of you lack patience, right? Just me. The reason I tend to lack patience um, is because I want the world to be the way it's supposed to be. Any, anybody else with me on that one? Yeah. Like, a package used to come in on Amazon Prime the same day. It should not take a week for that same package anymore. Can I get an amen on that one? Right? Like, I want the world to be the way it is. And it's, I think it's the same when it comes to our relationships. Where you got to think about this. Um, we were created to love. Um, I think we all intuitively know this. Whether or not you're a Christian, like, this would drive John Lennon crazy because he was no fan of Jesus or the Bible, but he lifted the song All You Need Is Love right out of the pages of the Bible. This is something that is stamped on the human heart that I think that no matter what you believe about God or religion, I think we all intuitively know we were created to love. That's how the world's supposed to be. And yet the problem is we are all also sinners. Um, we don't like that word anymore, but what sin means, Romans 3.23 says that sin is falling short of the glory of God. What that means is God has glorious design and plans and purposes for how life is supposed to go. And what sin is, for, is living for anything less than that glorious design. So sin is living for anything less than God's glorious design. And if you're honest, we know we all do this. And if you think, no, I, I, I don't live for anything less than glory, then what the Bible would say is you struggle with the sin of pride. And, and we'll get to that in a couple of weeks here in this chapter. Um, but the point is, we all have issues in our life. We all have junk in our life. And if we could have some real talk, I think we all have a certain level of drama in our lives. And when two people who have sin and junk and drama in their lives come together in a relationship, and both of those people expect the world to be the way it is and expect to be loved by the other person then there's going to be the inevitable clash of expectations, where there's a loss of expectations. 
and, and I know you're thinking right now about how other people do not meet your expectations. The loss goes two ways. There's not been a single relationship other than Jesus relating with us where one person uh, brought something to the table that was less than ideal while the other person was perfect. When you put two sinners in a relationship together, there's going to be the inevitable clash and loss of expectations when we both want to be loved perfectly, but we're both flawed humans. And I think this is where we begin to lack patience because we want the world to be the way that it is. And see, in that moment when the world's not the way it is, where someone is less for you than they should be, you can either blast them for it or you can suffer that offense yourself instead of making them suffer. And that's what patience is. Patience suffers the offense and foolishness of others for a long, long time. Patience suffer, or love suffereth long. Now let me just say this. This does not mean that love does not deal with issues. Um, if you continue reading into verse 6, you'll see that love doesn't rejoice at evil. And in verse 7, you'll see that love protects. And so we'll talk about those things when we uh, get there. But I just want to say, because those are several weeks out, I just want to say this is not the Bible's way of telling you to stay in an abusive relationship for the sake of love. Because there are fools that will twist this passage, try to lift one piece out and ignore the rest. That's not what the Bible's saying here. In fact, uh, what we'll see in this chapter is that love sometimes means setting healthy boundaries. And love sometimes means speaking truth to power. So this isn't saying... This doesn't mean that you never deal with anything, but I think that on the whole, love is patient, love suffereth long. What this is saying is I think a lot of us probably need to learn to let some stuff go. At least that's how this has challenged me this week. That um, to be patient is to be willing to suffer the wrongs of others without constantly pointing it out to them. And I guess the question I would just have for you is when's the last time you did that? Now, here's the beauty when you can do that. Um, when we are willing to be patient with other people in our lives, um, then what begins to happen, and again, this is really all over the book of Proverbs, but you see it in how God relates to us, and you've probably seen it in the best human relationships you have. When we are actually able to be patient with other people, then what you do is you actually give them the space they need to grow. Um, because l let's just have some real talk. Um, we said earlier we all have junk in our lives, but isn't the junk in other people's lives more obvious to you than it is to them? Right? Uh, and, and I hate to tell you this, but the junk in your life and in my life is more obvious to the people that you're close to and the people I'm close to than it is to you and me. If you didn't know this, by the way, welcome to church, congratulations, glad you came this morning. You have blind spots in your life. And your blind spots are not blind spots to the people that love you. They're just spots. And, and here's the thing. Um, we all have junk. We all have blind spots. We can all see each other's blind spots. And if you are in a relationship with someone that's constantly pointing out your spots that you can't see, that's constantly criticizing and telling you what's wrong, even if they have the best of intentions, like they want you to flourish and they're actually worried, if they're constantly pointing it out about you, isn't it exhausting? 
See, this is the point that Proverbs will make. Uh, if you're nervous to answer that question, I'll say Solomon, the wisest human to ever live, tells his son, hey, if you're going to lack patience with people, you better learn how to throw a punch because you're going to get into a lot of fights. Because people don't like to be criticized all of the time. And maybe in our culture, we don't like to throw fists as much, but man, if you are constantly pointing out the flaws in other people, you might be right about the flaws, but it's going to crush them and suck the oxygen out of the relationship. But if you are willing to be patient and to suffer the sins and the foolishness of others without constantly having to point it out to them, then you can begin to create a safe enough space from which real growth can eventually take place. And that's what love does. Love is patient. It suffereth long. It hangs out in the relationship long enough for someone to come around and to have God work in their life. Love suffereth long. That's part of why it's so life-giving. But that's not all love is. We read love is patient and kind. So, so let's chat about kindness now because these two actually um, work together. Um, let me explain it this way. Uh, I think it would be easy enough to say, uh, in light of the sermon, I'm going to try to bite my tongue and say nothing the next time I'm sinned against. Um, I think it would be easy enough to say, I'll just try to ignore it the next time someone wrongs me and, and kind of turn kind of a stiff upper lip to it. To just say, I just don't even care. You can't hurt me. Not bothering me one bit. That's hard, but at least it's manageable. And, and frankly, I think a lot of times we can mask our lack of love with this kind of veneer of like an ACDC spirituality. Well, I've got a stiff upper lip. Your words can't hurt me. And so we don't blast people maybe, but we move away. We create distance. We move away from them. And so we could say, hey, I was patient. I didn't blast them. But patience alone is not love. Love is patient and kind. And see, if patience is the passive aspect of love, that uh, restrains itself, that um, holds back what someone deserves, then what kindness is, is it's the active moving towards someone to bless them. Let me explain this one by way of an analogy. This would be like if you're driving into the In-N-Out parking lot and, and someone, um, you're in line, you're patiently waiting for the drive-thru, and then someone like cuts in line in front of you. Have you ever had this happen to you? I'm realizing a lot of my analogies involve driving, and I probably should get some help on that. Um, but stick with me for the sake of analogy here. What patience would be is not honking and screaming like a crazy person. Some of you are like, I'm not patient. Okay, that's okay. There's grace here. Remember, Israel at the foot of the mountain. God's patient with them. He's patient with you. Patience would be not screaming at them and honking like a crazy person, but what kindness is, Kindness would be like when that in-and-out, that so helpful, wonderful in-and-out person comes to your window to take your order. You give them your credit card and you say, would you run this up to the window and pay for the order for the car in front of me and just let them know God loves them. And they get up there. Maybe they were in a hurry. You don't know. Maybe their wife was going into labor and they're like, hey, we got to get there, but we also got to eat. You know, you don't know their story. And so they get up there, and they're like, your meal's been paid for, and they're just like, thank you, Jesus. I'm like, anything could happen. But that's kindness. 
But that's a lot harder, right? Like, it's one thing to be kind to people who are kind to you. It's another thing to be kind to someone that you're already showing patience to. To someone that deserves being blasted for the way that they have failed you. Like, you're already holding back. That would be amazing enough. But if you not only hold back, but move towards them to bless them and give them goodness, I mean, that, that's really hard. That is literally the opposite of what they deserve. And, and I don't think you have to struggle with patience to see how hard that one is. Again, this person deserves to be blasted, but you not only withhold that, that would be amazing to actively move towards them in goodness. It's the opposite of what they deserve. It's, it's upside down, and that's the point. Love is an entirely different way of living. It's an entirely different way of living. It's a surprising way of living. It's a powerful way of living. And see, patience without kindness isn't love. It's just passivity that won't lead anywhere. If you bite your tongue, but you don't move towards someone with kindness, I, I don't know. Every situation is unique. But what I think Paul's getting at here is that love is more than just kind, uh, uh, patient. It's not just biting your tongue and being passive and moving away. That, that's passivity. That will lead nowhere. That will lead to a thin life that maybe your life won't be a clanging symbol. It'll just be nothing. But what he says is when you put patience and kindness together, you get this dynamic force that according to Romans chapter 2 verse 4 has the power um, to melt the hardest heart, to change someone's mind and to give someone a brand new life that's the power of this thing called love um, one of my favorite stories about the power of this kind of love comes from the life of elizabeth elliott um, maybe you don't know that name most people know her husband jim elliott um, Jim Elliott is one of the most famous missionaries in history. Uh, and what he's famous for, he's not famous for winning masses of people to Christ like a, like a Billy Graham. Um, in fact, uh, Jim Elliott and four of his friends uh, were killed on their uh, first missionary venture um, trying to reach a notoriously violent people group um, living uh, in the jungle of, I believe it was Ecuador. And so, uh, literally, on his kind of first, like, these are the people I want to reach, he dies. So it's, it's not because of his great success, but here's uh, why this story has become so famous. Um, because after he died, his wife Elizabeth, and, and they were in their 20s, they were young. His wife Elizabeth did not give up. She also wanted to see more people meet Jesus. And so she continued where Jim left off. She continued to uh, learn the language from a, another nearby, kind of a friendlier tribe. She continued to learn the culture to figure out what went wrong. How, how can we get in there? 
She began to pray every day for the people living in this tribe. And a couple of years later, she would go and eventually live among them and serve them and show kindness to the very people who killed her husband. And in that upside-down space, something unthinkable began to happen. People in this notoriously violent tribe began to meet Jesus got baptized, found an entirely new way of life, a greater new way of life, and the kingdom of God began to explode in this little corner of the world, in this jungle in Ecuador. And that is the power of love. Not just patience, but patience and kindness coming together in this dynamic force that's disorienting, that's otherworldly. That is what has the power to melt hard hearts, to change minds, and to give people new lives. And that is the kind of thing that is meant to happen in a thousand different ways through our own lives. As we seek to live this more excellent way. You know, it's, it's, it's not just the big moments of life. This is meant to happen every day. You might, you might have a grand opportunity like that, but on the whole, most of us, our opportunities to show patience and kindness tend to be uh, when that person that we're closest to says something that is just unforgivable to us. That's an opportunity right there. It is we refuse to return fire when that person that we love says or does something stupid. It is when we refuse to expose that co-workers of ours as a moron when they throw us under the bus for something that they did wrong. It's when we refuse to give people what they deserve and not only hold back, but move towards the people that are hurting us in kindness to bless them. It is when we can begin to do that that what you will begin to find is this kind of love has the power to turn the world upside down. Um, it's like, uh, I have a pastor friend that says, you know, love is like pixie dust. Some of you, this will be a great analogy. Um, it's, it's like this thing that you um, sprinkle onto a person, a relationship, a situation, when you can sprinkle this kind of love onto a person or situation, um, you will begin to see things that you thought could never change. Things that you thought were impossible. Things that you gave up on and said, no way. When you can give this upside down, undeserved, patient and kind kind of 1 Corinthians 13, Jesus kind of love, you will begin to see things magically happen. And, and look, it, it may not happen on your timeline. That's why patience is first on the list. But this is the invitation of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. To live into a more excellent way. Anyone can blast someone when they're failed. But the, the more excellent way is to suffereth long and to move towards those who have failed you. That is the type of life that you and I are longing for. As awful and as hard as it sounds, that is the type of life that deep down we long for. Um, so not only does it turn the world upside down, it, it's the life that makes us more whole. Love is patient and kind. 
So if that's the case, okay, um, that's what I long for. I was thinking about this all week. How do I actually grow in this? Isn't it one thing to say, like, gosh, I wish I was more patient. I, I wish I was more kind. I wish I could hold those two things together. But how do you actually grow in this? Because it would be so easy to take this message and say, okay, I'm going to try to be more patient this week because I hear that that's the life I long for. And intellectually, I think I agree with that. And so I'm going to try. I'm going to try really hard to be more patient this week. Here's what I can tell you from experience. That ain't going to work. Um, you will be driving to work on Monday morning. Um, there's driving again. And someone's going to cut you off. And everything goes out the window. All your best intentions to be patient end up on the side of the highway. And then you'll say, man, I hope the sermon's better next week. And some of you might make it farther than that. Maybe you're more naturally patient. But the point is this. Paul is not saying that you should be more patient. He's not saying that I should be more patient. What Paul is saying is that love is patient. So, so, so rather than trying to white-knuckle this behavior and say, I'm going to try to become something that I'm not. I'm going to try to do something that is not in me to do. Rather than just trying harder, what we're called to do at the end of this amazing chapter is to pursue love. Because when you get love in you, these things will begin to come from you. Because love is patient. Love is kind. Um, Dallas Willard puts it so much better than I can. I probably should have just led with this. Dallas Willard has a phenomenal book called The Divine Conspiracy. If you're looking for some summer reading, it's a wonderful book. In that book, he actually gets to talking about this passage, and listen to what he says about this passage and how we can grow in this. He says, people usually read this and are taught to read it is telling them to be patient, kind, free of jealousy, and so on. Just as they read Jesus' discourse, he's talking about the Sermon on the Mount there, as telling them to not call others fools, not look on a woman to lust, not swear, to go the second mile, and so forth. But Paul is plainly saying, look at his words, that it is love that does these things, not us. And that what we are to do is to, quote, pursue love. He's quoting 1 Corinthians 14, 1 there. Now here's the best part. As we catch love, we then find that these things are, after all, being done by us. These things, these godly actions and behaviors, are the result of dwelling in love. We have become the kind of person who is patient, kind, free of jealousy, and so on. What he's saying there is that this is the kind of thing that is more caught than taught. And I know the irony of saying that after more than 30 minutes teaching about this. But I haven't been teaching about what the Bible means by patience and kindness just so that you could leave here with six tips on how to be more patient and kind this week. 
I haven't ultimately spent this time building out a more robust framework of what the Bible means by patience and kindness and how these two things work together so that you could try harder this week. The main reason, the ultimate reason that we've been building out what is patience, what is kindness, how do these work together is because my hope is that you would leave here more amazed at the love of God for you. My hope is that you would say, okay, if patience is long-suffering, if God is so committed to overlooking my sin for the sake of a relationship with me, if he's so committed to that that he would send his son to die on a cross to take my sin from me and put it in the grave and leave it there so he could say, I can overlook all your sin, not just the junk in your past, but your present struggles, your future struggles, all taken care of in the cross of Christ. So I can be patient and overlook that because it's dead and done for the sake of a relationship with you. If God is that committed to being patient with me, then maybe I don't have to freak out when I screw up this week. My hope is what this message will do for us, and I do mean us, is that the Holy Spirit would light this truth of fire that though you might get sick of you and the struggles in your life and think God must be sick of me, my hope is that what you can hear when you hear 1 Corinthians 13, 4, and when you hear love is patient, what you will hear is you have not gone too far. You've not out-sinned the love of God because God is perfect in his patience. Unending in his patience towards you. And the cross of Jesus Christ is proof of that. And so my hope is that this will encourage some of you that you can come back this morning. That you can stop hiding and pretending that you don't have junk in your life because he already sees it. And to, if the Holy Spirit could just light on fire the truth that his perfect patience is maybe the very thing that brought you here to hear this morning, that he loves you right where you are, not a future version of you, you right now in the midst of that struggle, that he is willing to suffer with you because he so values relationship with you, and the cross is proof of that, my hope is that you might walk away more amazed at the depths of God's love and how willing he is to hang with you through all of the struggles in your life. That's why I've talked about long-suffering this morning, ultimately. Because if the hope is that we'll do this better, maybe you will. Six steps ain't working for me on patience. I need something otherworldly to come into me. And so my hope is that you would maybe leave more amazed at the love of God, his patience, but not just his patience, his kindness. See, sometimes I think we think that God's just up in heaven and he mildly regrets the fact that he saved us. And so he goes, okay, I'll be patient with them, you know. Um, I've got to, I kind of have to be now, but, but I don't want to be near them right now. So I'm just going to kind of withdraw myself up in heaven and remove myself. And, and if you've ever felt that way, that maybe God's just kind of annoyed with you, my hope is that you would hear that God is not only patient, he is kind. He is not only perfect in his patience, but he is warm in his kindness. 
and on the weeks where we do the worst, most imaginable stuff, God is at his best moving towards us to bring grace and mercy and comfort and help where we need it most. Isn't that the gospel? That where we are at our worst, God is at his best, and he will take the first step towards us in kindness to move towards us and to bring us home. And so I hope that you would walk away going, God is not only perfect in his patience, but his kindness towards me actually gets stronger and stronger the weaker and weaker I am. I'm hoping that somehow this dynamic combination of patience and kindness and the power of the Holy Spirit would light our hearts alive and on fire this morning so that we could really believe that he loves us like this. Because if you do, What Willard says is that kind of love will begin to naturally flow through your life. And so if you want to become a more patient person, is one struggler to another. Here's here's what I'll say. The best thing you could do this summer is to soak in the love of God. If, if patience is hard for you, you've got to drink deeply of the thing you want to flow out of you. And so I know I asked you this last week, but Karen tells me sometimes I need to hear things multiple times for it to really click. So I'll just ask you again. What's your plan to slow down and to make room in your life to receive more of the love of God this summer? If you weren't here last week, I'll ask you for the first time. Summer, it's, it's this, you know, the seasons change, the rhythms of life change. It's this opportunity for the next couple of months, the next three months or so, to say, okay, I'm going to do some new things to dial into what really matters here. What would it look like for you to make space in your life to soak in this? Not just when we gather here on Sundays, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Because here's what I can also tell you from experience. I believe God's meeting us right now. I can sense it right now, but like we are leaky vessels, so we'll be filled with his love. We'll walk out of here, and on Monday morning, we need to drink again more deeply, especially if this is hard for you. So, so the best thing we can do is to soak in the love of God this summer, because it's when we're dwelling in love that love will begin to pour out from us through patience and kindness. And, and as you're doing that, so that's the first and best thing you can do. As you're doing that, number two, I would say look for opportunities to train yourself in patience and in kindness and in putting those together. Um, right now, I'm training for a 10K. Um, some of you would not need to train for a 10K. You could just run a 10K. Um, I cannot. Endurance and running for me, I'm about as good at that as I am at patience in life and behind the wheel which I think you have a sense of my level of patience behind the wheel this morning. So I've got a friend that wants to do this. They, you know, men, they talk each other into things. And so what I know is, okay, I can't just go run the 10K. I've got to train for this. Thankfully, I'm married to a personal trainer. <laughs> and, and so Karen tells me what to do. And, and sometimes I listen, sometimes I don't. But... <laughs> She gives me a plan for here's how you can increase your endurance. Here's what you can do. Here's all the stuff. And so I do the stuff I'm supposed to do to increase my strength, to increase my endurance. And every Sunday when I go out for a run, what I do is I say, okay, I've been doing the right stuff. That means technically I should be able to go farther now. So today I'm going to try. 
I'm going to try to run a little farther without stopping this time. And, and I think that's what we have an opportunity to do with something like this. That as we're drinking in the love of God and soaking in it and getting this into us, that is what will ultimately change us and transform us and make us able to do these things. But growth in life doesn't happen by sitting on the couch and just expecting things to happen. It, it happens by working out what God works in you, by taking a step out and trying. And I don't mean that you go and run a 10K if you've been sitting on the couch for the last 10 years. I mean, <laughs> you take a little baby step and you try. So, so maybe don't try to go to a, a, a tribe in a jungle that you've never met and try to show people patience. If patience is hard for you. Maybe start with something simple and go, is there someone in my life that I can predict I'm going to need to show a modicum of patience with this week? And ask the Holy Spirit, as I soak in your love, would you teach me, would you lead me, would you guide me to walk in that? I, I believe that this is what love does. I believe your love is real. And so as I soak in it, I'm going to step out and try. I'm going to look for opportunities. Maybe when you go to the grocery store, you pick the slowest line just to, like, test out your heart. Soak in the love of God. Look for opportunities to train yourself. And in church, I think we're going to be so surprised at what we see God doing. And look, um, you could do all the training in the world, but unless you're drinking deeply of the perfect love that we hope would pour from us in, in pieces, we've got no shot at walking in this in a lasting way. And so what we're going to do is we're going to end our service by coming to the table and drinking deeply of the love of God and remember through communion what God has done to commit himself through the death and resurrection of his son Jesus. And then we're going to sing about this love together. And then we're going to head out of these doors and see what God has in store for us this week. And see what opportunities he has for us this week. You ready church? Okay, let me pray for us and then we'll do that. God, thank you for being perfect in your patience toward us. And warm in your kindness. Your love breaks my categories, and that is what makes you God. And so we thank you for, we thank you for your love for us. God, I ask, as I started, just by asking that you would, as we come to the table and in communion, I pray that you would pour your love more deeply into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, through tasting and seeing that you're good, that you would um, do something my words cannot, and that is make the reality of your unending love for us more real in our lives this morning. Would you meet us in this place that we might go out of here more full of love and more ready to share this kind of love with the world around us? We need your help, especially me this week, and so we ask you to meet us here powerfully in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.